Hi, everyone. This is Jack, co-host of the Summer Reading Podcast, coming at you live, not live, but not dead either, far in the future, before we even start to tell you that we like to swear. It's an explicit podcast. It's not crazy, uh, but we do say bad words, you know, like fooey, and we call each other cur a lot, like almost nonstop, and uh, what have you. We're good for a good what have you here uh, here and there. So just so you know, if you want to protect your, your delicate paper ears from uh, our, our cutting remarks, um, just be aware of that. So uh, sit back or, I don't know, go for a jog, whatever you do when you listen to podcasts. I'm not your dad. I could be. We don't know. Pretty sure I'm not. Send me a letter. Coming up on the Summer Reading Podcast. I'm good. I I, um, I just had some grasshopper cookies and um, got my dog to shut up. <laughs> so life is good. <laughs> the summer reading podcast this don't you know it is the podcast where a professor and a librarian read and review all of the books you are assigned to read in english class i am your professor my name is jack my pronouns are he him and i'm your librarian my name is marty and my pronouns are she her and today we are reading none other than bridge to terabithia by Katherine Patterson. So good. Or, as I read it, because there's just the one T, Paterson. Oh, interesting. But when people said Patterson, I was like, of course that's how you say it. Patterson. Pa- Patterson. Pat- Catherine Patterson. Pat- <laughs> Catherine Patterson. <laughs> Thank God you sound like the lucky charm self. <laughs> Get your hands off my bridge to Terabithia <laughs> today. Um, and I, I, it's a exciting. It's a exciting week. Yeah, yeah. Um, where we read this in conjunction with um in conjunction with uh, last week's read, where the red fern grows. Yes. Um, and as I mentioned in last week's episode. Uh, I woke up Saturday morning, and I read both of those books back to back. I cannot believe you did that to yourself. Uh, Yeah, and I walked out of that reading session in, like, a kind of haze. Mm, Yeah. Of, like, shit, I... Am I okay? Have to to be... I should call my mom and tell her I love her. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 totally. Um, Yeah. It's 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 a whole it's a whole thing. It it's is a whole thing. So I, I feel like we have um we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, with yeah. this book, um, and we might as well start with. Have you read this one before? I have. Um, if if listeners were listening to um where the red fern grows, I read fucking ingrates. Really? Sorry, keep going. <laughs> I read what? this. Who said Who that? Who said that? Um, I read this book the same summer. That we were assigned to read Where the Red Fern Grows. We were assigned Red Fern and Bridge to Terabithia. 
Um, so this was a reread for me. I had um, fonder memories of this one, and I was actually like excited to read it again. Um, where that was not really the case with Redfern, um, and and this one, it was kind of cool because I brought this home. Um, I don't even know a couple weeks ago, and. It was just like sitting on the kitchen table or maybe the, the counter. And um, my husband, one of his friends came over to watch Celtics and he saw it. They were watching Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> watching the Celtics. Um, and he came in and he saw it and he was like, oh, my God, you're reading that book. That's like the last book that I remember like loving reading, which on the one hand, made me very sad. That's a loaded comment. Right? And but but on the other hand, I was like, wow, like this is this is one that has a lasting impact. So um so Rudy, if you're listening, uh there you go. I that, that it's stuck. Rudy, with me. if you're listening, r- read, read read more. Read more. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I've already told him that. Um but anyway, yeah, so Bridge Sherbithia. <laughs> You're allowed to. You're allowed to love more books um, than, than this one. Yeah. But, but that was the last book I read. Oh, is that sad? That is sad. I imagine like you could. And yeah. The worst part is you could say that about any book. I know. I know. Like you could have someone. You could have had like the Bible on the yeah. table. Yeah. It's like. And then Rudy comes in and he goes, "That's the last book I remember loving reading." God. <laughs> and then, then you're like. Are, the, bi- the Bible? The Bible? Oh, my God. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, how about you? Reread? I First read? have definitely read this before. Okay. At some point in life. Okay. I think there was no surviving... Uh, Middle school. School yeah. without having encountered this one. Yeah. Because it, we mentioned this last week, but it, it was it was in the echelon of the Because of Winn-Dixie era. Yes. Yeah. Um, And it was, like, exciting because, like, the movie was coming out and oh, or had recently come out. Oh, okay. Um, of it and, and all, all, all of that. But, like, I don't fully remember, like, a time and place yeah. where I was reading this okay. when I was younger. I don't even remember if it was on the... I'll probably have to text my mom. She'll probably say, like, no, we didn't fucking do that. <laughs> um, on the uh, the show that she, she oh, produced. Oh, right, right, yeah. Uh, for that, if... we if Bridge to Terabithia was one of the ones that we read for that one. Yeah. Um, it may very well have been. may very well not have been. Um, doesn't... Super matter. I just know that this is not the my first go around, yeah. despite the fact that I cannot place in time um, when you absorbed when it was. It. Maybe it was twenty seventeen. Maybe it was actually re- <laughs> You're black super recent. Yeah. It was just in the in, in yeah the dark year. Yeah. Um. Who knows? But yeah, definitely read this before. Um. And certainly watched the movie before. I've never it, I've never seen the movie. Th- it's like <clears throat> this is a story that is like. You're gonna cry. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a crying, and I'm not much of a crier. I on this reread, we'll talk about this in a little bit. I was choking up. Yeah, I was like, 
He's like, oh, this is sad. Oh, oh, I cried. I cried on this one. Sad. Um, I didn't cry rereading Where the Red Fern Grows. Mm, I don't think I did. Yeah, no. Um, and I listen, I love dogs. Yeah. Uh, very much. But I did not cry reading Where the Red Where, where the Well Fern Grows. <laughs> did not cry when we were reading a book Web together. Um but this book I was like, whoo, whoo. Oh god, it's so hard. I'm, uh, yeah. Sad. <laughs> yeah, I was um I was finishing this one at uh at work while eating lunch and uh sitting there just sort of like quietly sniffling to myself. <laughs> hoping nobody would notice that I'm <laughs> your co-workers just like crying over bridge to Terabithia. That, that p- potato salad must be fucking terrible. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's a feels book. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Catherine Patterson. Okay. So Catherine Patterson, born 1932. Mm-hmm. One of the, uh, I think few authors who are still with us. Yeah. <laughs> that we cover with this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I'm making my notes, I usually put, like, I'll put their name, and next time I'll put, like, a lowercase b for the birth year, then I'll do a little dash, and then a lowercase d for the death year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that ex- fully expecting, for whatever reason, that Catherine Patterson was no longer with us. And she still is. And she's still with us. Yeah. So what I did was I wrote, born 1932, died, not applicable at present. Nice. I, so, I'm glad that you wrote that all out. Yeah, it's well. I did the end slash a because who has the time? Yeah, fair. Um, we were just about to get on on the pod anyway when I was doing all my homework. So. Yeah. Um, as it is, so uh, Catherine Patterson, born in uh, Xinjiang, China. Ah, did not to know that. Missionary parents. Ah, interesting. And they moved around quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, many of her uh, initial novels were set in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are like, that covers like a, a sweeping review of what I have on her early years. Okay. In 1954, she graduated from King College in Tennessee. Okay. Um, and in 1977, Bridge to is published. Yeah. Uh, it's a disjointed timeline. Uh, but it's what you get today from me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. Um, and uh, she won many awards yeah. for for her books. Among them, a uh, Newbery Medal in 1973 for specifically Bridge to Terrible. Right, right. Um, I think it and, was sort of her first big hit, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the, the banger. Well, I mean, like, I, I'm hard-pressed to name any other thing that she wrote. I think the only reason I'd come close to guessing another title is because I was researching her today. Yeah, yeah. The only other one that jumps to mind, I think she wrote Red and Roses too, which is about... um, Oh, I think I read it because it's sort of local. I believe it was about, like, the Lowell Mills and... um, Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, seriously. I should know about this. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't. Um, it might not have been Lowell, but I'm almost positive. Um, I feel like most books that have Mills and are for right? children yeah. is is a Lowell book. Yeah. Yeah, no, we had, 
she wrote The Great Gilly Hopkins. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one's which good. S- sounds familiar. <gasps> and then Jacob Have I Loved. Oh, yeah. So she uh, wrote. She wrote quite a bit. Um, and I don't think she's really still writing because I think the most recent thing I find is 2009. Okay. Um, but I'm not looking that hard. Oh. Uh, I'm not super interested in other titles. I'm sorry. Bread and Roses 2 is Lawrence, Massachusetts. The other mill town. That, <laughs> the other, the, that is the other place where I grow up near. Yes. Um, um, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I think her most recent is 2017. My Briga- oh, really? My Brigadista Year. Um, which is... Oh, the page has not yet been created. <laughs> Only the best here at summer reading. Right? Um, <laughs> so, listen, if you are listening to this podcast, I think it's likely that you are learning now that the name of the author to Bridge to Terabithia is Catherine Patterson. Yes. <laughs> it's less likely that you are a huge Catherine Patterson stan and you're coming in at this episode to just see what these randos are saying I about mean, Catherine Patterson. You never know. You never know. <laughs> I, that's why I said it's likely. Likely, yes, yes, that's a good point. Yeah. Um. So, uh, that's what I got. Do you have anything else about uh, good old uh, Patterson that you'd like to throw? In no, there? I don't think so. I read. Um. I I did read her. We can talk about it when we talk about the book. But I have the 40th anniversary edition, um, mm-hmm. and there is a lovely little sort of afterword that she wrote um, about the process of writing Bridge to Terabithia and how, like, the impact that it had on children who read it and how she was just kind of blown away by it because she never thought that it would mean anything to people outside of like her family and inner circle mm-hmm. and i just thought that was really lovely um yeah let's you know. let's do the synopsis and then come back to that yeah yeah yeah. okay sounds good so um the synopsis of bridge to terabithia um i'm gonna sort of gloss over i'm gonna do the grand strokes yeah sounds uh, good. of it because uh i think it's a well-known enough story yeah um but i think it's it's an inherently deceptive story mm-hmm and it's a story that like hinges on that deception, mm-hmm. um, where you have this lonely kid, uh, Jess Aaron's, yeah, who I consi- consistently misread as Jesse Owens, oh, because <laughs> um, he's a runner. Yep, yeah, uh, that's really <laughs> funny. Je- Jess Aaron's, who he's a lonely kid who wants to be an incredible runner, mm-hmm. and a family moves in next door. Uh, that has uh, a girl his age, and her name's Leslie Burke. And they are both outsiders Mm -hmm. who become friends, and to get away from the world, they go into the nearby woods, and they declare that those woods are this magical land called Terabithia that they rule over. Yeah. And they live in the stories that they create there, um, and they become friends. So, like, she is supportive of his artsy tendencies and he is just agog at 
her I, 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 self-possession. I was going to say, he's just like, enamored with, like, everything about her. It's just, like, yeah. Leslie to to him, like, just opens opens the world up. It's like yeah. he's never met anybody like her. And it's it's lovely. So she gives him paints. He gives her a dog. Mm-hmm. They, they rule over together. And then one day while he's away at a museum, um, she fucking dies. Yeah, it's so awful. It's so awful. And the rest of the book is a grief narrative. Yeah. Um, with this this young kid um, coping with the fact that his one friend and his best friend yeah. um, has abruptly passed away. Um, is there anything you'd add? I think that's the big. No, you, that that's that's the main sweeping strokes, like you said. Like that's the um, the sort of overarching theme, and there's there's a lot of or overarching plot, I should say. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of little stuff that happens in there that just sort of highlights how their friendship deepens, um, how they grow together. But we'll talk about that in more detail. Yeah. So I think that the grief narrative, it, it, it makes this book the poster child of sad kids books. Yeah. It. It, it is up there where most things are like really bittersweet and there are there is bittersweet to this book it's mm-hmm. all like oh you know she's she's gone but we'll always we always will have loved her but she's still fucking gone yeah it's not like where mm-hmm. the red fern grows right. where it's like oh okay yeah he gets his dogs yeah, yeah his problems disappear yeah he wins both of the prizes in the thing yeah and um, then his dogs pass away uh, but we have a flashback in the beginning where you see him grown up where he's okay. Yeah. You you don't get any of no. that sort of peace in Bridge to Terabithia. No, it's, we, we leave it and Jess, I, I guess we leave it on a note of Jess is trying to heal. And he's trying to heal by bringing his sisters into Terabithia. Um, which is really beautiful. I mean, it's just like, to me, that's really gorgeous that like he's taking this thing that was a gift to him from his best friend in childhood and passing it on to his sisters who, who he also recognizes his little sister, um, Maybelle specifically as being, uh, lonely in the same way that he is, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. she like so, she like worships him too. Um, let Let's get into this. Yeah, let's get into the review. yeah. So, uh, I think that's a really good point about the like. And the book specifies that Maybell loves Jess. Yeah, uh, she loves him. She's obsessed with him, and he's like older brother. Yeah, very classic older brother is kind of annoyed right by by this attention, but comes around over the course of the book um, because she doesn't know any better. Yeah. Um, what are your initial thoughts? So this book, it's interesting because I I feel like I can't, because we just talked about um, Red Fern, it's hard for me to like not talk about it in context of comparing Jess and Billy because... They're both sad children's books with dogs. Well, and they're also like 
both of the boys are protagonists who are living in poverty and living in these conditions that are not ideal, right? And they're both longing for companionship. Billy is longing for dogs. And Jess doesn't even realize that he wants a friend until a friend comes to him. Anybody other than fucking Gary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I really, really like Jess because he's... He has he has dreams and he has imagination, but he's living in this household and in, in this environment where he's told that that's not OK. Um, but he it's not like it's not like he wins at being himself. Do you know what I mean? It's not the same yeah. kind of. Can I build on that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I specifically I want to talk about Jess's characterization. Yeah. Um, because he is. He is the central figure of the entire book. Right. Um, Jess is this young man who, as already said, we've already said, he's lonely. He's isolated in multiple ways. Yeah. Um, and he's artistic. Yeah. Um, he's driven. Um, and I think one of the things that's interesting is that I wrote it as, you know, in like movies where um, the main character is a dude and his main love interest is a woman who does something that is somewhat or stereotypically masculine, like being good at pool. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. And (laughs) And then like she flips her hair back and she says, I have four brothers. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. This feels like the inverse of that. Yeah, yeah. Where Je- Jess is a very sensitive boy. Yeah. Um, and part of like the justification that we have in this book is he's sensitive because he's growing up in a house of women. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's sort of and- isolating him because he's trying to make sense of his feelings. Yeah. Um, in a way that does not coalesce with the culture that he's in and how young boys are supposed to make sense of their emotions um, at all. Um, And so what's uh, a number of the things that come up from there is we have actually a rather overt claim that the family, specifically the dad is like worried that the son is gay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he and, says and he wants to be an artist when he grows up. Yes. Yeah. yeah like specifically all, all, like from those lines. And I was actually rather shocked to see mm-hmm. they, they never come so far to say any, any things like the, the F slur. Right. Um, or, or gay or homosexual right, or right. anything that references. They don't call him uh, queer or anything or like that. Queer, yeah. 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 O- overt to those things. There's just this sort of familial yeah. anxiety over his potential otherness. Yeah. Rooted in the way that he's characterized, rooted in his personality, um, in a way that's not really connecting with him. Yeah. So the, already we're going into multiple layers of otherness right. with this character. We have a kid who's not the best runner, but wants to be the best runner. Mm-hmm. So he'll, he, he's not, he's athletic, but he's not excellent in athletics. Mm-hmm. He's impoverished. 
So he has a house and a family and, you know, he's not want for food, but also he lacks a lot of things that a lot of the other kids have. Right. Um, and on top of that, you have the uh, his artistic, quote unquote, sides mm-hmm. where uh, it makes people worried that he might not be straight. Yeah. Uh, as a child. So th- this kid actually has a lot of things woven into the fabric of who he is. Yeah. Um, in a way that was actually rather shocking. Like the idea that a children's book's even acknowledging the existence of something other than heterosexuality. Yeah, especially a book written in this time. You know, it was, yeah. what, 1973, I think you said? Um, 1977. Seven, okay. Um, yeah, and it's also... <sighs> It's wait, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, my my thing here says it was published in 1977, but then it also says that it won a Newbery Medal in 1973, which is before 1977. Yeah, I think it's 1973. Hang on, let me just so, check my copyright. Maybe. The, oh no, this says copyright 1977. That's weird. Maybe the maybe the committee who awarded the Newberries said, dude. In four years. <laughs> oh, no, wait. Be wait, wait, wait. This banger fucking no, book. No, no, no. No, 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 Hang on. Um, copyright 1972. Wait. No, that's the song. Fuck it. Sorry. Maybe maybe it was Redfern Grows. Did what? No, no, <laughs> Did no. Redfern Grows Redford win a Gross. Newberry in 1973? No, it didn't. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It, I was looking at the copyright page in here, and they were referencing the song Free to Be You and Me, and that was was copyright 72. The But Bridge to Terabithia is copyright 77 by Catherine Patterson. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where you're getting uh, 73 from there, Jackie boy. <laughs> I read the internet. <laughs> um. Listen up, Britannica kids. <laughs> um, I. Oh no, I'm reading. I'm reading this wrong. I'm even looking at, at the sign that the sentence that says 1973. Um, don't at me. It's all good. Don't worry about it. It all comes out in peer review anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. I was so when we were when I was talking about this um, with my husband and his friend. Uh, he so Ben's never read this book and he was like oh should I read it and I was like it's it's great like and I said it's one of those kids books where it almost feels like it's like a character study for kids you know and and the thing that I love about Patterson and the way she writes this is that it you don't find out all at once who Jess is it's it feels much more organic you know it's like Mm -hmm. the first thing you see is him getting out of bed early so he can go practice his running and then it's his inner thoughts about becoming the best runner and then eventually um you learn about his his love of art and his love of the music teacher but the fact that he says to his dad once you know when he's little what do you want to be when you grow up i want to be an artist and his dad says like ugh. You know, he's what 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 the, what the hell is that? Um, and you get this this you know this overarching story of his his sisters don't have chores and tasks, but his mom gives him all of the the sort of hard work to do. Um, and his dad 
is present. He's part of the family, but he's not really present because he's always off working. Um, and yeah, th- so this like this loneliness sort of just seeps in. It's not there's never a moment where Jess sits down and thinks, boy, I'm lonely. You know what I mean? It's it's like, yeah, it's it's created like, I don't know. And he, he's consistently mocked as yeah. well for his insecurities. Yeah. Um, or potential, like potential feelings. Right. Like he doesn't, in many cases, he doesn't even have the chance to process something he might be feeling before someone's already commenting on like, it. Like even when him. he's grieving, it's like, yeah. like he, his sister, his, one of his older sisters sees him sitting down to eat breakfast and she's like, well, you didn't even care about your friend. How could you even eat? And it's just like, wow, like he's instantly being judged, you know? I I think about also a a big part of him not even being able to work through his feelings for his friend Leslie before his sisters are coming in calling him, calling her his girlfriend. Right, right. Um, And he's like, this kid hasn't even had a friend before. And you're you're like putting all, all of this weight. Yeah. This additional weight that, like, for a kid, because he's a kid. He's a kid. He's 10. It's like. Onto on him. And yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's a brutal, it's brutal. It is. It's a brutal book. It is. Um, and Leslie, I, I also, I really like Leslie because she could so easily be, you know, manic pixie dream girl, but she's not. She's. Mm-hmm she's a fully fleshed out person as well. And she comes from very different circumstances. Her parents have lots of money, but they're choosing to live a simpler life, but they're still not, they're they're not in touch with their kid. You know, they're not, they're not recognizing that she's lonely. And I am critical of that. Mm. um, Of knowing like the Burks are, wealthy they're rich people yeah um and i think this is a rather contemporary um critique of a lot of (laughs) of a lot of things yeah um but the idea that for the burks they are well to do enough to play Mm. at the lives of the people who live in the country where the people who live in the country these are just their lives yes yep so there's a degree of Oh, we just need to get away from it all, but by meeting a bunch of people who, what do you mean get away from it all? These are our lives right. where, like, we have to work so much we never see our families yeah. just to keep a roof over our heads. Yeah. Um, and but do you I think, do you put that on you put that on the parents though? Not I put on that the, on the parents. Okay. Okay. I'm not gonna come in and say she's a she's a fucking rich kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even if she is, uh, rich kids are fundamentally still kids. Yeah. Um, and I think all forms of I think I think all forms of childhood tend to supersede external factors that they have no control over, yeah. like their parents' wealth, regardless of how that does greatly impact people's lives right. as as those lives develop. Right. Um, uh, that said, um, I think it's a great argument against the Burks. Mm-hmm. Um, of them because well, I think one of the big things that sort of supports the point that you're making here is we never meet them until she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we never know them. We know that she talked about Jess mm-hmm. um, to her parents, but we never 
get to meet them. Yeah. There's no involvement with the parents until she's suddenly gone. Right. Right. Um, and I think that looking back on it, that does speak volumes. Yeah. Um, cause otherwise I just thought like, I don't know why we don't meet those parents. Yeah. I didn't know why we didn't meet the parents. Right. But it makes sense because these are both fundamentally lonely kids. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because it, in a lot of ways, I think as a reader, you can relate a little bit more to Jess's parents being as absent as they are um, mm-hmm. because they are, again, they're impoverished. They're raising what four four kids five kids many kids i think it's five um jack jr <laughs> jack jr two yeah, yeah, jack yeah, jr yeah. three yeah yeah david and bandit <laughs> who our listeners never met but we talked about bandit off screen right right um, um <laughs> so so it it kind of makes some sense that they are they're preoccupied right and they um i'm not saying that that I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to place a judgment on any of it, but like, are you to me telling me how to raise my kids? <laughs> to me, it's it's more understandable when parents who are raising a gaggle of kids and living in poverty are absent. They're not necessarily able to be present and connect with their kids in the way that maybe their kids need. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's a point when Jess and Leslie are first becoming friends when she says like, oh, my parents, you know, they wanted to move out here to reassess their values. And he's like, what the hell does that mean? And she (laughs) she explains to him, you know, they're rich. My parents are diversifying their portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Like they're rich, but they feel like they're chasing money too much and they wanted to move to the country. And he he has this moment where he's like, well, don't they understand like that they're they're fucking up your life? Like, don't they see how miserable you are? And then it's so interesting because after she dies, they move back to Pennsylvania and they say, We moved here for her. Mm. And it's just like this, I don't know, like the, the like that hit me in a really big way. Um that they thought they were so in touch with their kid and really they were just, I don't know. It's like they were like going by some rule book that like, Oh, well, you know, you're unhappy, move to the country. Like it'll be great for your kids. The geographic cure. Right. Like, but, Um, but honestly, like she was, she would have been happier, you know, had she been able to stay with her friends wherever they were living. I don't know. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy shit. There's like... There is... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. There's so much to unpack in this tiny little less than 200 page book. Yeah. So I have a couple things I want to comment on. Okay. Um, the first thing is uh, a continuation on the potential queer narrative. Yeah. That's underscored throughout this book. Yeah. Because um, Leslie also doesn't fall into the gender norms. She doesn't fall into the gender norms, yeah. which is exactly what I want to comment about. Yeah. Because she, she's never seen with, she's never seen with other girls behaving in quote unquote stereotypical girl ways. Right. That um, this feels disgusting to say. Um, that we that we see in a lot of children's narrative. Yep. Um, we have moments with Janice Avery. Yep. 
um, where we know that she's interacting with Janice, but that is happening inside the girls' room, and we get Jess's perspective of throughout the book, so we right. don't know what's going on there. Um, but she is masculinized. Yeah. Yeah. traditionally from her appearance mm -hmm. to how we introduce the character mm -hmm. where the character Leslie Burke is primarily introduced or established through being better at athletics than all of the boys yeah. in the whole grade. Yeah. Um, she is a tomboy uh, that is, uh, you know, traits that are gender nonconforming. Mm -hmm. um, and th this friendship that is blossoming between this uh, boy who also has traits that are quote unquote gender non-conforming. Right. right. Um, so there is, there is this like clear otherness that comes into play with why the friendship makes sense between these two yeah. children, but also like that other, those othernesses align with a lot of what we know about um, gender non-binary stereotyping yeah. or tropes or phenomena yep. that is recurrent in the, in culture um which i think is an interesting way to to bind these students these students these children <laughs> anyone who i feel is mentally younger than me <laughs> i'm like they're a student yeah, obviously yeah. which is such a, a problematic way of that's so of funny subconsciously looking at it um but you've you've got you've got that and um Maybe nothing comes of it, yeah. but it is, it is a palpable, underscored force. It's present, like, I, yeah. Like I could only imagine how many boys read this and be like, "Well, I like to paint," and how many girls read this and say, "I wish my hair was short." Right. Um, and how that affects how that affects uh, identity development. Yeah, yeah. Or between the years that. These characters don't even have time to understand like these facets of their own identity before they have to deal with the grief of loss. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really uh, a heavy load. Yeah. So it is. That said, um, I do want to talk about fat phobia. Yeah, I was gonna say there are definitely elements of this book that are very dated. Um, yes. and that, that is a big one. And the other is, you mentioned Janice, Janice's, um, Janice Avery. Yes. And that whole what? situation, which we talked about yes. in Red Fern too. What a fraught character. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about the fat phobia because that is huge. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll do it under the umbrella of Janice Avery. Okay. Because, because. I, I believe Janice Avery is a character nobody looking back on the story remembers. No. Despite the fact that she is actually very important. She's very important and she's very prominent. Like she's throughout the book. Um, she's she's there. She's and she's sort of your classic bully, right? Like mm -hmm. she's on the bus. She's um, harassing kids. She's kind of, uh, you know, taking up space and and. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she's and uh, out, and she's fat, and she's fat, right? So for listeners, um, fat is not a bad word. No, people are fat. Yep. Um, so Janice Avery is fat, and there's nothing wrong with fat. However, the book Bridge to Terabithia uses her fatness as a form of justification 
to retaliate against her. Right. Um, and it's actually central to a number of different elements of the plot. One of them being um, a core aspect of Terabithia is the stories that Jess and Leslie tell each other mm-hmm. to make sense of their own personal world. Right. Um, in one chapter, we have the giant killers. Mm-hmm. Where there's the concept of these giants that terrorize Terabithia, that terrorize their own personal country. And the book even makes the connection between giants in their own made-up world with giants, uh, meaning people who are fat. Right. Um, Linking this to the bully figure of Janice Avery. Yeah. Um, I was so shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to read this because I'm like that is this is so mean it seems so antithetical to what the book is about yeah um and at no point is there ever um, a moment of self-awareness right about this it's not we shouldn't be mean in retaliation to Janice Avery um in regards to her weight it's we shouldn't be mean to Janice Avery because she's abused at home. Oh my god. That so that whole storyline, I completely fucking forgot about that. And I was just like reading it and reading how Jess's first reaction to Janice's beat at home is just like, well, whatever. Everybody gets beat at home. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, and that in itself. That's not okay. That in itself is also, like, super telling about this yeah. this community, right? Like, th- that, oh, yeah, all the kids are beaten by their parents. Nobody talks about it. Like, it was mean of those girls to tell people. It was mm-hmm. mean of them. You know, it's not like they should report it to the principal. The principal doesn't want to hear about it. The principal. He says, it, it, keep it to in yourself. In here. Yeah. Like. <laughs> in a way that makes you wonder, the principal goes home and they beat their kids. Yeah. It is just like. Like, that's not okay. Oh my God. So horrible. And like. And it, it makes me think, honestly, it makes me think of contemporary kids books. Yeah. Like I think about books like the wild robot. Yeah. Where it's like uh, a mother doing her best to keep her kid alive. Yeah. I think about like the Vanderbeekers of oh, yeah. Street, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like, like the parents are clearly doing their best by their kids, but right. the kids are like, they're not doing anything. Let's do our best. Right. And you do it. And it's sort of like this quirky sort of come together, understand each other at the end. Yeah. Um, and, like, just in one or two generations, the stark contrast between the narrative of how parenting materializes and what's normal. Like, right. Bridge to Terabithia, books like Where the Red Fern Grows and Bridge to Terabithia, the kids are operating in a story world where parental abuse is not common, it's expected. Right. Um, and kids reading this aren't thinking, like, oh, that's fucked up. It's thinking, oh, this is going to make for a relatable character. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is its own horror. Yeah. Like, we're, we're, in this, we're in this age of children's books where if your parent is an abusive parent, that's the book. Right, right. 
Yeah. It's not a detail yeah. in the background. It's, this is not okay. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too, though, to read it and think about, and I hate talking about this and thinking about it, but like, you know, again, like they are living in an impoverished community. And sometimes I read something like this and I'm like, oh God, like I hope this isn't how the world still works. But I also don't know, you know? I mean, like there are mm-hmm. communities probably not too far from where we live where it's it would be the norm, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, not that that makes it okay and not that it's like a sweeping norm like it maybe was when this book was published. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, God, that is so like just like how matter of fact these kids are about it. And that even, you know, even Leslie who comes from this privileged family is like, yeah, I know. I mean, whatever. She's kind of being a baby about it. Like, you know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's so, uh, it's, it's so fucked up. It's like, and it was shocking to me to read it. And I don't remember being shocked in that way when I read it as a kid either. Me neither. Which also makes me wonder, like, what, like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are you just like <laughs> you're a kid and you're reading this book, and so you're just kind of totally bought into the world, or do you maybe not understand what that means as a kid, like mm-hmm. when you're reading it and you're not being beaten every day? Um, I don't know, but yeah, it just like, well, yeah, it, it, it that was like a huge. I don't know, kind of like wallop while reading this book, mm-hmm. I thought. Um, yeah, so there is a lot of the surprising. Yeah. Reading this as an adult going back to it as a book that was read as a kid. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that kids' books can't have child abuse in it, which sounds really weird to say. But I know what you the mean, way though. the yeah. way that it should be spoken of has changed. Yes. Um, and I say the same. The same goes for fat phobia. Yeah. Um, and body type and loving your body. Right. Um, wh- whether or not you have full control over what your body looks like. Right. Right. Um, no one has full control over what their body looks like. Um, and, and and it's the fat phobia. I, I have read other books written in this era, like in, you know, in the mm-hmm. 70s to 80s for kids. And it's it's very present. It's really. Yeah. Um, it This book, the fat phobia becomes a point of connection between the main characters mm-hmm. where it's they make a joke and they're like, that's a good joke. Right. Right. Um, where it's like, it's OK to talk about being fat as long as you're not fat. Right. Um, and it's whereas, not just directed at Janice either. It's like he always talks about yeah. his sister Brenda and how fat she is. And mm-hmm. I think they talk about the teacher too. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Miss Myers? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Miss Myers. There's one that they like and there's the, this one that Right. They there's the hippie are. music teacher that they love. And they, um, and then there's the, the fifth grade teacher. Um, I can't remember. I'm going to find her name. 
Go on. Keep talking. Vamp. Okay. Vamp while I look. (laughs) You can't say that. (laughs) I have no drink. (laughs) I've been thinking about it for the past 20 minutes. Sorry. About leaving to fill up this glass. No, don't do it. Um, So uh, a big thing about this book is I I keep referring to it as a deceptive book. Mm -hmm. And when I I mean it like that, deceptive meaning, this book is written like it's like a... It's like a charming friendship book where it's like, oh, the friends are going to go into the woods and they're kind of come up with stories together. Um, And then the deception comes from there's nothing really uh, present or blatant about the fact that one of them is going to be dead soon. Yeah. Um, It's even written into the text, really, like how stark and abrupt that death happens. Now, there are these sort of structural hints to it. Like we have... The, the concept of um, Jacques Cousteau in the beginning mm-hmm. and Leslie wanting to write about scuba diving mm-hmm. and then the, the sort of parallel at the end that she was interested in scuba diving and she ends up drowning yep. uh, uh, as uh, as what kills her. Um, and there's and a th- whole there's a whole narrative too about her being curious about going to church on Easter. And then saying like, "Oh, that's all really interesting," uh, but I don't believe it. And mm-hmm. and the sister Maybell saying, "But what if you die?" Like, mm-hmm. and and that you know that foreshadowing is really, I I think it makes it really hit home in a it's, different it's way. Crazy how underscored it yeah. is to the point of not even looking at it. Right. Until it happens. Right. Um, I think nowadays, no one our age is going to bridge to to bridge to Terabithia like completely mm-hmm. uninformed. Right. Right. There, there's like people who are like, oh yeah, that's the thing that that thing happens, right? Yeah. And like the thing does happen in that thing. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's just uh, it, it's like, bam, death happens. Yeah. It's. And, and you can't prepare for it. And the fact that it happens at the end of his wonderful day, mm-hmm. right? Like he has that that beautiful day where he goes to the museum for the very first time with Miss Edmonds. Mm-hmm. And um, that kind of weirded me out. I got weird. I was weirded out by that, too. And that was another one of those things that I was like, well, I guess it was the 70s and like. Maybe like I I feel like she's being flirtatious. Yeah. Right now. I feel weird about this. And also like what teacher calls a kid at home and offers to take them alone in their car? Like Yeah. I something that I doubt it would ever happen today. Oh my god, no. Yeah. And it's it's funny because like I think about the way I interact with kids at work and like if I'm going to take a kid downstairs to show them where our book is, like that's not in the children's room, I say like go and find your parent and ask them if it's okay if I walk downstairs with you because I am like mm-hmm. so incredibly cautious. Yeah. It like I had I had to reread that section. Yeah. I thought he was lying. Yeah. I'm like there's no way his teacher actually is going to take him to a museum he wants to sneak out and do something but no that's and i'm like it's it's strange and i'm like yeah it's this i think it's supposed to be this beautiful moment where this lonely kid gets all this attention right 
um, and he's exposed to things that he has an interest in. Um, but the way that it happens is so like, it's this isn't okay. Yeah, it feels the, icky. And I won't even accept. Oh, it was a different time. No, I know it was. It's wrong in every time. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's wrong in every time, even if this is the first time that we're talking about. Right, right. Um, so there's that. Uh, but I also wanted to talk about the parallel because we were talking about those parallels. Yeah. Um, where there's the chapter no, no exclamation point, mm-hmm. which happens right after the perfect day where we learn that Leslie's just died. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and one of the first thing that the mom says to the kids is no exclamation point. Mm-hmm when they're asking for extra money for school supplies. Mm. Um, so there's all of these, like, very interesting... I, I called them C's when we are talking about Jane Eyre. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Jane Eyre is way more blatant than Bridget Arabithia, yeah. which is a comparison I didn't think I'd be making today. <laughs> um, uh, because uh, Jane Eyre is very much, when you when you read it, you're like, oh, I'm reading a book right now. Yeah, right, right. Um, but Bridget Arabithia, I like the I like the way you described it as a character study. It is, yeah. Because it, it feels so much more of a character study where it's like this thing happens and then this thing happens and then this thing, and they're all connected. Right, right. And we can all see the development and how it, it applies to like Jess's growing understanding about the world and trying to become a person. And, and uh, there's and no, there's no like adventure, you know, it's not like they go off yeah. to like, it's, it's very much. I love that. It's very much I, like in their beings that yeah. the adventure is happening. Like it's, I, I don't know. It's, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my uh, jam. <laughs> yeah, so uh, with that, do you have any final thoughts on Bridge to Terabithia? Oh, um, Oh god, I don't think so. I mean, it's um it's not a perfect book, but it's a good book. And I do think that it's I'm glad that it is still so well acclaimed in spite of the issues that we have discussed. And I think that um I would recommend that it still be read and those issues be discussed in the reading, you know? Um yeah. So that's my, I don't know. It's not really a final thought. Just no. It, um, that is, is it? Exactly is a it final, a final thought? A, Does that count? It's the last <laughs> thought we do before before rabbits. rabbits. So okay, okay. Well, that's so my you final go, thought. Let's go to rabbits. Yeah, let's do it. Rabbit. I hate rabbit. If there's anything I hate more than a rabbit. It's two rabbits. Hello, and welcome to Rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> this is the segment at the end of the show where we rate the book on a scale of none to five rabbits. We're allowed to use a decimal. Just don't think too much about what it means to be graded a half rabbit. Uh, so, Marty, out of five rabbits, how many rabbits are you going to be giving? Bridge to Terabithia by Katherine Patterson. So, I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to give Bridge to Terabithia four rabbits wow yeah i feel like it's bold but i really 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 enjoyed rereading this um i did cry um and i do think that it's one that like i said in spite of its flaws in spite of um the issues we were discussing i think it's a really it's a great story to uh 
I don't want to say like introduce kids to grief because uh, foster an understanding of grief, I guess, grief and loss for for young kids. Um, because I I think I think it's a good way to introduce children to the unpredictability of death. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, like there are a lot of books. There are a lot of books about grief right. where the person dying is dying for a while. Right. But this um, is like, just like a bam. Like Bam, there you go. She's There's dead. no time to process that yeah. like, grandpa hasn't been doing well for a long time. Right, right. Um, and you loved grandpa, uh, but now grandpa's dead. Like, like there's, it's still abrupt in its own way, yeah. but it's not as immediate as Bridge to Terabithia brings, brings it up. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. Um yeah, and I also and I also think it's a, it's a really lovely story about connecting, um, mm-hmm. about building a friendship, um, and sort of that even when you are super lonely, there is there is hope, there is that mm-hmm. possibility of connection, and you may not even expect it, but all of a sudden there it is, and you know it's it's another person who um doesn't fit the norm <laughs> you know and like the, you guys you know you you uh you meet and connect and it, it and it grows into something lovely and even when it's shut like cut short the way it is for Jess with Leslie um it still has a lasting impact on him mm-hmm. you know and it's something that he carries over into his relationships with his sisters so um yeah I don't know I just I think it's beautiful. I, I really like the writing. Um, and, you know, we talked about the problematic elements, but I think there are enough merits that it's still a really worthwhile read. And like I said, I just think that there needs to be time spent in discussing the not so great elements <laughs> but that's yeah. true of so many books i mean <laughs> it doesn't mean that they're not good books right like you hear that ayn rand <laughs> how about you jack how many rabbits three and a half three and a half i think i'm gonna do three and a half rabbits for yeah i knew going into it i was gonna give it more than where the red fern grows yeah yeah um i i think the writing is beautiful <clears throat> i think it's good to have um a male main character who understands his own sensitivities yeah um at the same time a lot of the flaws i couldn't make peace with yeah um uh but i do i do think that i i'd sit around the fire with jack jr jack jr 2 (laughs) jack jr 3 david and bandit um how long are we gonna keep this going and it's (laughs) Well, it's the it's the second episode. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> of me and my five kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I like I I like this, but I like I I was so shocked mm. to see. Like I was shocked by the things I wasn't expecting to be shocked by. Yeah. Like the characterization of the bully, how they bond over the bully's misfortune. Um, the stories that they tell based off of that, uh, the, I'm on, I'm on the fence on like the vocalized homophobia, mm-hmm. um, because I think it's really important that they actually tried 
to broach the topic of homophobia, um, but it doesn't really go anywhere True. after that. Yeah. Um, so, like, I would, I think, keep a copy of this book in my library for, like, my own kids to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'd do that for Where the Red Throne Grows. Yeah. Which, and I don't, I only bring that up now because we just fucking read right, it. Right, right. Um, and talked about uh, it. <laughs> but uh, I don't think I would be able to just let them read it without sitting down and saying, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, we no. Need to have a, we need to have a conversation. Oh, yeah. This is one that you got to talk about. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's not not even like a, what do you think? It's like, it's like, I'm like, okay, we don't talk about people right. this way. You can read this book, but you're not allowed to talk about people this way. Right. Okay. Right. Because uh, that then you're the asshole. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, that's, that's a three, three and a half. Solid, yeah. Three, three and a half rabbits. Three and a half rabbits. Oh, uh, all right, okay. Anything else? Any, any pressing business to attend to here? I don't think so. All right, then there we go. That's Bridge to Terabithia, another we one for the it. books. Yeah, woo! Um, then thank you for listening to the Summer Reading Podcast. Yes. Uh, this is the only podcast, or at least one of them, <laughs> where Professor Librarian read review all of the books you had to read for English class. Our music was done by Nathan Morrissey. He's a good lad. You can find him on Instagram at nathan.morrissey77. Our editor is my brilliant, amazing, lovely, brilliant, amazing, wonderful mother, Rosa Maria. You can find her on Etsy and on Instagram at crochetwell, all one word. Um, I have been uh, Jack, your professor. You can find me on Instagram at jackfromtv, all one word. That has been Marty. You can find her on Instagram at marty underscore the K. Uh, and you can also email us. Marty, what's the email? Summerreadingpodcast at gmail.com. Please send us thoughts, book recommendations, um, praise. We, we like praise a lot. <laughs> just um, don't be mean. Just don't be mean. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And please join us next time where we complete our own Twilight Saga. Woo-hoo. By reading Breaking Dawn by Stephanie Meyer. Oh boy. (laughs) Hope to see you there. (laughs) 